Chapter Nine of Memoir of Jane Austen. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Gemma Blythe. Memoir of Jane Austen by James Edward Austen Lee. Chapter Nine. Opinions expressed by eminent persons. Opinions of others of less eminence opinion of american readers into this list of the admirers of my aunt's works i admit those only whose eminence will be universally acknowledged no doubt the number might have been increased southey in a letter to sir egerton bridges says you mention miss austen her novels are more true to nature and have for my sympathies passages of finer feeling than any others of this age she was a person of whom I have heard so well and think so highly that I regret not having had an opportunity of testifying to her the respect which I felt for her. It may be observed that Southey had probably heard from his own family connections of the charm of her private character. A friend of hers, the daughter of Mr. Big Wither of Manydown Park near Basingstroke, was married to Southey's uncle, the Reverend Herbert Hill, who had been useful to his nephew in many ways, and especially in supplying him with the means of attaining his extensive knowledge of Spanish and Portuguese literature. Mr. Hill had been chaplain to the British factory at Lisbon, where Southey visited him and had the use of a library in those languages which his uncle had collected. Southey himself continually mentions his uncle Hill in terms of respect and gratitude. Esty Coleridge would sometimes burst out into high encomiums of Miss Austen's novels as being, in their way, perfectly genuine and individual productions. I remember Miss Mitford saying to me, I would almost cut off one of my hands if it would enable me to write like your aunt with the other. The biographer of Sir J. Mackintosh says, Something recalled to his mind the traits of character which are so delicately touched in Miss Austen's novels. He said that there was genius in sketching out that new kind of novel. He was vexed for the credit of the Endenburg Review, that it had left her unnoticed. The quarterly had done her more justice. It was impossible for a foreigner to understand fully the merit of her works. Madame de Stael, to whom he had recommended one of her novels, found no interest in it, and in her note to him, in reply, said it was vulgar, and yet, he said, nothing could be more true than what he wrote in answer. There is no book which that word would so little suit. Every village could furnish matter for a novel to Miss Austen. She did not need the common materials for a novel, strong emotions or strong incidents. It was not, however, quite impossible for a foreigner to appreciate these works. For Monsieur Guizot writes thus, I am a great novel reader and I seldom read German or French novels. The characters are too artificial. My delight is to read English novels, particularly those written by women. C'est tout un quel de morale. Miss Austen, Miss Ferrier, etc., from a school which, in the excellence and profusion of its productions, resembles the cloud of dramatic poets of the great Athenian age. In the keepsake of 1825, the following lines appeared written by Lord Morpeth, 
afterwards seventh earl of carlisle and lord lieutenant of ireland accompanying an illustration of a lady reading a novel beats thy quick pulse o'er inch balls thrilling leaf brunton's high moral opie's deep-wrought grief as the mild chaperone claimed thy yielding heart carol's dark page to valiant's gentle art or is it thou all perfect austin here let one poor wreath adorn thy early bear that scarce allow thy modest youth to claim its living portion of thy certain fame oh mrs bennet mrs norris too while memory survives will dream of you and mr woodhouse whose abstemious lip must thin but not too thin his gruel sip miss bates our idol though the village bore and mrs elton ardent to explore while the clear style flows on without pretence with unstained purity and unmatched sense or if a sister e'er approached the throne she called the rich inheritance her own the admiration felt by lord macaulay would probably have taken a very practical form if his life had been prolonged i have the authority of his sister lady trevelyan for stating that he had intended to undertake the task upon which i have ventured he purposed to write a memoir of miss austen with criticisms of her works to prefix it to a new edition of her novels and from the proceeds of the sale to erect a monument to her memory in winchester castle oh that such an idea had been realized that portion of the plan in which lord macaulay's success would have been most certain might have been almost sufficient for his object a memoir written by him would have been a monument i am kindly permitted by sir henry holland to give the following quotation from his printed but unpublished recollections of his past life i have the picture still before me of lord holland lying on his bed when attacked with gout his admirable sister miss fox beside him reading aloud as she always did on these occasions some one of miss austen's novels of which he was never wearied i well recollect the time when these charming novels almost unique in their style of humour burst suddenly on the world it was sad that their writer did not live to witness the growth of her fame my brother-in-law sir denis le marchant has supplied me with the following anecdotes from his own recollections when i was a student at trinity college cambridge mr wewell then a fellow and afterwards master of the college often spoke to me with admiration of miss austen's novels on one occasion i said that i had found persuasion rather dull he quite fired up in defence of it insisting that it was the most beautiful of her works this accomplished philosopher was deeply versed in works of fiction i recollect his writing to me from carnivon where he had the charge of some pupils that he was weary of his stay for he had read the circulating library twice through during a visit i paid to lord lansdowne at bowood in eighteen hundred and forty-six one of miss austen's novels became the subject of conversation and of praise especially from lord lansdowne who observed that one of the circumstances of his life which he looked back upon with vexation was that miss austen should once have been living some weeks in his neighbourhood without his knowing it i have heard sydney smith more than once dwell with eloquence on the merits of miss austen's novels 
He told me he should have enjoyed giving her the pleasure of reading her praises in the Edinburgh Review. Fanny Price was one of his prime favorites. I close this list of testimonies, this long catena patrum, with the remarkable words of Sir Walter Scott, taken from his diary for March 14, 1826. Read again, for the third time at least, Miss Austen's finely written novel of Pride and Prejudice. That young lady had a talent for describing the involvements and feelings and characters of ordinary life, which is to me the most wonderful I ever met with. The big bow-wow strain I can do myself, like any now going. But the exquisite touch which renders ordinary commonplace things and characters interesting from the truth of the description and the sentiment is denied to me. What a pity such a gifted creature died so early. The well-worn condition of Scott's own copy of these works attests that they were much read in his family. When I visited Abbotsford a few years after Scott's death, I was permitted, as an unusual favor, to take one of these volumes in my hands. One cannot suppress the wish that she had lived to know what such men thought of her powers, and how gladly they would have cultivated a personal acquaintance with her. I do not think that it would at all have impaired the modest simplicity of her character, or that we should have lost our own dear Aunt Jane in a blaze of literary fame. It may be amusing to contrast with these testimonies from the great, the opinions expressed by other readers of more ordinary intellect. The author herself has left a list of criticisms, which it had been her amusement to collect, through means of her friends. This list contains much of warm-hearted, sympathizing praise, interspersed with some opinions, which may be considered surprising. One lady could say nothing better of Mansfield Park than it was a mere novel. Another owned that she thought sense and sensibility, and pride and prejudice, downright nonsense, but expected to like Mansfield Park better, and having finished the first volume, hoped that she had got through the worst. Another did not like Mansfield Park, nothing interesting in the characters, language poor. One gentleman read the first and last chapters of Emma, but did not look at the rest, because he had been told that it was not interesting. The opinions of another gentleman about Emma were so bad that they could not be reported to the author. Quartamon's Tots and Thinshire. Thirty-five years after her death, there came also a voice of praise from across the Atlantic. In 1855, the following letter was received by her brother, Sir Francis Austin. Boston, Massachusetts, USA, 6th January, 1852. Since high critical authority has pronounced the delineations of character in the works of Jane Austen, second only to those of Shakespeare, transatlantic admiration appears superfluous. Yet it may not be uninteresting to her family to receive an assurance that the influence of her genius is extensively recognized in the American Republic, even by the highest judicial authorities. The late Mr. Chief Justice Marshall of the Supreme Court of the United States and his associate Mr. Justice Story highly estimated and admired Miss Austen, and to them we owe our introduction to her society. For many years her talents have brightened our daily path, and her name and those of her characters are familiar to us as household words. We have long wished to express to some of her family 
the sentiments of gratitude and affection she has inspired, and request more information relative to her life than is given in the brief memoir, prefixed to her works. Having accidentally heard that a brother of Jane Austen held a high rank in the British Navy, we have obtained his address from our friend Admiral Wormley, now resident in Boston, and we trust this expression of our feeling will be received by our relations with the kindness and urbanity characteristic of admirals of her creation. Sir Francis Austen, or one of his family, would confer a great favor by complying with our request. The autograph of his sister or a few lines in her handwriting would be placed among our chief treasures. The family who delight in the companionship of Jane Austen and who present this petition are of English origin. Their ancestor held a high rank among the first emigrants to New England, and his name and character have been ably represented by his descendants in various public stations of trust and responsibility to the present time in the colony and state of Massachusetts. A letter addressed to Miss Quincy, care of the Honorable Joshua Quincy, Boston, Massachusetts, would reach its destination. Sir Francis Austin returned a suitable reply to this application, and sent a long letter of his sister's, which, no doubt, still occupies the place of honor promised by the Quincy family. End of chapter 9 Recording by Gemma Blythe